So happy 2016. I don't know about you, but for me, the coffee and grass diet starts tomorrow. That's, <laughs> that's coffee and grass. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I, but really though, sincerely, truly, I pray that this will be the best year ever for you and your entire family, and I mean that uh, 100%. And if I haven't told you lately, you're an amazing church, and I, and I want you to know that you really are. You're, you're a great church. There are some awesome people here, and I just feel fortunate uh, and, and proud to be your pastor, and I'm looking forward to 2016. Uh, working together with you, and uh, looking forward to it. Would you like to hear an update on the Christmas offering? How about next week? <laughs> Okay, so the goal was uh, to receive $20,000, you know, an extra, over and above, and uh, you gave over $52,000 in the Christmas offering, so. Way to go, church, awesome stuff. So keep up the good work, okay? All that does is help us close the gap on what we needed, okay? So don't stop giving, keep up the good work. Uh, but that, that is a huge help for sure. We have six, let me get this right, six, we have six, no, we have, we have six core values here at Moncton Wesleyan, and uh, they're up in bright colors in the atrium, you go out in the atrium, look up, look around, they're out there in the atrium, and uh, these are easy, you can memorize these six core values, and when someone asks you, you know, well, tell me about the church, you can say, well, actually, there are six core values, and here they are, because I have them memorized, and you can share them with people. Um, I do have them memorized, too, but I also have them in my notes, just in case I get uh, confused or mixed up. But here they go. Here we, are. Here, here we go. Here they are. Number one, we're fun. About, about nine of you are fun. We're fun. You should look forward to going to church, right? You should, you should look forward to going to church. It's Sunday again. Don't take your children to a church that makes them hate church. If you want to go to a fighting, arguing, complaining church, go find one. There's lots of them. <laughs> but this is not one of those churches. And I'm going to enjoy life, and I'm going to look forward to coming to church and worshiping with my church family. And so that's one of our core values, that, that, we're, that we're fun. Number two, we're inviting. Uh, inviting is our vision, and it's also one of our core values. We invite everyone we know to everything we do. And we want to, uh, all of us, to just be living invitational lifestyles for Christ, we see this in the New Testament. There's a rhythm in the New Testament of go and tell, come and see. Go and tell, come and see. And so we're just trying to live that out. And we just want it to be, uh, just to live an, in, an invitational lifestyle so that it just becomes natural for you to be saying, hey, do you, do you have a church? Uh, what are you doing Sunday morning? Um, and, and just to be talking and, and talking about who God is and what God's doing in your life and in your church and through your church and, and inviting everyone we know to everything we do. Number three, we're flexible. That's a nice way of saying that we don't freak out about change. We're flexible. One person, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, this is nothing new. This is the way Moncton Wesleyan has been forever. So you marry the vision and you date the method. Say it with me. Marry the vision, date the methods. Say it again. Marry the vision, date the methods. That's what we do. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. <laughs> right? 
We're flexible. Hey, we'll try stuff around here, and if it doesn't work, we'll change it, and we'll try something else. And we don't, there's very few things around here that we institutionalize and, and say, well, that's laid in stone, because we just want to do whatever works, right? We just want to do whatever works. That's, that's the bottom line. And none of us get to have, uh, you know, all of our preferences met. That's nonsense. That's crazy. All right, number, I don't know where I am. We're clear. We're clear. If it's important to us, it should be clear to you. And we're working on this all the time, getting hopefully doing better all the time, and uh, we're improving constantly. Next one, we serve. I think this is five. We serve. If you want to grow spiritually and become more like Jesus, serve. Okay, I can't, we're clear. I can't say it any clearer than that. If you want to grow spiritually and become more like Jesus, then serve. This is a core value because we don't want to be a large church of attenders. We want to be a growing church of servants. And there's a huge difference, okay? We don't, we don't want this church thing to be a spectator sport, okay? We don't want that. Um, nothing will jetpack your faith like getting involved in God's work. Nothing. Now, number six, the last one is we're bold. We're bold. We're gonna choose risk over regret every time. Risk over regret every time. We're not going to coast or cruise or take it safe. We're going to pursue God's vision for our church with a bold, audacious faith, all right? So there are the six core values. And we're kicking off 2016 with a series on one of our core values, bold. We are, we are bold because I believe that God wants all of us to live bold lives of faith, confident of who we are in Jesus Christ, standing strong on the solid rock of Jesus, regardless, regardless of what 2016 throws at us, and none of us knows. None of us knows what, what it's gonna throw at us. But, but we're, we aren't going to retreat, we're not retreating, we're not defeated, we are no longer slaves to fear, as we started singing this last year. We have the Holy Spirit of God living inside us. If you're a follower of Jesus, think about it. You have the Holy Spirit downloaded deep into your, into your soul, into your life. We have the Holy Spirit of God living inside us. So we are more than conquerors in the strong name of Jesus. Kick the chair in front of you and make sure the person is awake. Go ahead. Are you awake? All right, so we're, we're gonna be weird. We're gonna be weird church in 2016. You know, this is another way that you can, you can describe to people, you can tell people about your church. What's Moncton Weston like? You can say they're weird. We're weird. Because who wants to be normal? Normal church is boring, right? I don't wanna do normal. I don't wanna do normal. normal. Normal church is on the news because you know, they can't pay the heat and nobody's going anymore and they turned it into a bingo hall and blah, blah, blah. That's normal, okay? I don't wanna be normal. I wanna be, I wanna be weird, all right? So here we go. Here, here's, here's what weird churches are like. Weird churches see people stand to their feet and accept Jesus Christ as their savior while the congregation cheers them on. That's, that doesn't, Hey, let's not take that ever, 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 ever for granted. Ever, 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 ever for granted, okay? Uh, weird churches have baptisms like all the time. Like, like all the time. Like it's just, it's just, you doing that again? Yeah, we're doing it again. Like what's your water bill? We don't care, you know? 
um, weird churches have the resources to do the ministry and follow God's vision, like, like your Christmas offering, way to go. Weird churches keep their marriages and their families together. They defy all the statistics. They just, they, just, they just defy it. There's nothing normal about it. And people say, well, what in the world is going on, okay? Weird churches raise up next generations, the kids coming behind us, we raise up next generations of fully devoted, fire-breathing Jesus freaks. That would make a great t-shirt. I am a fully devoted, fire-breathing Jesus freak. <laughs> Might scare everybody, but, but I love it. Uh, weird churches don't care how long the services are. <laughs> I thought I'd just throw that one in there, see if you're still with me. Uh, here's another one. Weird churches. You know, wouldn't it be weird, weird church where everyone shows up to a prayer meeting? That'd be weird. There is, there is new vision for all of that, for, for the prayer meeting, that God is, there is a new vision stirring up, and I'm not gonna tell you about it now, just want you to know that, that, that God's blowing me up for that, so get your seatbelts on, it's coming. Uh, weird churches grow week after week because, because, just because people can't stop talking about who God is and what God is doing. Weird churches retain and keep people. They close the back door because they shatter consumerism with mission. They shatter consumerism. A lot of people go and say, well, what's in this for me? And I better like it. And what am I gonna get out of this? And boy, you better feed me. And they, they go with this consumerism. Weird churches keep people because they shatter consumerism with, with mission. Now, I'm not a prophet, but it's possible that the world needs the church to be the church, that the world needs Jesus followers to be Jesus modelers like never before. The followers of Jesus need to be modelers of Jesus, okay? There are four bolds in the series. I'm gonna give them to you now. Uh, for week one is bold prayer. Week two is bold faith. Week three is bold witness. And week four is bold worship. Let's jump straight into Acts chapter 12 and look at the power of prayer to break every chain. Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse one. At about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to, to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate, and suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side, kicked his chair to awaken him, and said, quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed, Put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered, so Peter left the cell, following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel, then the angel suddenly left him. 
Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and has saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. The author of the book of, of Acts is Luke, and Luke was a detail nut. And that's good because he puts the events in the places in specific times with specific people, and it makes it a whole lot easier to go back uh, in history and line up scripture with, with other events that were happening at the time. So in verse one, when Luke says about that time, we know because of, of who was serving and where he puts it and everything, we know it was either the spring of uh, the year 42 or the spring of 43. And this Herod Agrippa that, uh, that Luke mentions is the grandson of Herod the Great who ordered the killing of the innocents in an attempt to keep Jesus out of his, out of his life. It's the Herod from the Christmas story. And Agrippa's father, Aristobulus, was executed by his father, Herod the Great, if you're following all these Herods. Are you with me there? Herod Agrippa, his father is Herod Aristobulus, and he was by his father, Herod the Great, because he feared his son wanted to overtake him and take the throne. And after his father's death, the Agrippa, the child at that time, the boy, Agrippa, went to Rome with his mother to be raised and educated alongside uh, the children of other Roman rulers. So there's like this ultra-private school for these kids whose, whose fathers are, are the elite. Imagine growing up as one of those kids with a crazy father, patting you on the head. If I die, son, you can take my place. But if I don't die, I might need to kill you in case you get any bad ideas. Have a nice life. And so Agrippa shows up with, with uh, he grows up. Agrippa grows up with friends in high places. They're all rulers and emperors. And his friends keep giving him more and more territory to, to rule over. And by the time that we see this Herod Agrippa in Acts chapter 12, he essentially is the, the king of the Jews, small k. He's a small k king of the Jews because he's ruling over the entire area of Judea. And Jews who have rejected Jesus, Jews who, who, who have not accepted Jesus, they obviously took great joy in seeing one of Jesus' key followers martyred. And so Agrippa uh, martyrs James, takes his life by the sword, not, the, not James the brother of Jesus, but James the apostle, the son of Zebedee. And, and the people cheer and go nuts, and, and Agrippa thinks, wow, like, like if they go nuts over James, what are they gonna do if I, if I do this to, to Peter? They'll, they'll make me a god if I do this to Peter. And so he captures Peter and puts Peter in maximum security. Four guards a shift doing three hour shifts for, for alertness to make sure that you know, anybody can stay awake for three hours. Four guards a shift doing three hour shifts around the, around the clock. And look at the response of the church to all of this in Chapter 12, verse 5. While Peter was in prison, here's the response of the church. The church prayed very earnestly for their friend Peter. The church prayed very earnestly. 
Word gets out that Agrippa's got Peter. And they know, the church knows, Agrippa is crazy. His father was crazy. His grandfather was crazy. He comes from a long line of crazy. And, and they know that Agrippa wants to be remembered as, and revered as even crazier than his father and crazier than his, than his grandfather. He wants to be immortalized for all of eternity. And so he's got Peter in his grippa. Peter, Peter, the one that Jesus called the rock, the front man, literally the front man of this, this new era of the church, the leader of a, a movement of Jesus' followers that was just starting to, to gel and to grow and, and, to, and to get some, some momentum. And instinctively, the church of Jesus models Jesus, and they go to prayer. They go to prayer. What, what are we going to do? And, and they, they go to, to fervent earnest prayer about this matter when it seems like the enemy has an upper hand you respond with bended knees when it seems like the enemy in your life has got the upper hand on you you respond with bended knees prayer is not a retreat it's an advance now you might retreat as in you know get to a a private place or a place where you can where you can uh, be alone and focus or something like that but prayer is not backing up Prayer is marching right into the presence of God and telling the enemy that he has no power over you. And the church, the church saw Jesus model this. Jesus, even though, even though he was God, he made prayer a priority in his life. And the, the church saw Jesus slip away at times by himself and just say, guys, I gotta, I gotta go spend some time in prayer. They knew that Jesus faced his most intense times of, of pressure and persecution with prayer. And so the church instinctively knew that there are battles that can only be won, that can only be won by prayer. They didn't, they didn't deep dive into earnest prayer because it was the only thing that they could do. They gathered and they went to prayer because it was the best thing that they could possibly do. Prayer is not a last resort. It should be our first defense. And so they're praying for Peter's release. And, and they're really praying, I mean, against all odds. Like if, if, you, were, if you were praying that prayer and you're, you're picturing where Peter is, He's surrounded by four guards. He's got guards who are literally chained to him. He's got guards who those guards know that that their life is on the line. Like if Peter gets out of here, we're dead, we're done, we're toast. And uh, why would you even pray? Why would you even believe that, that somehow God could get Peter out of Herod's prison alive? Why would you believe that? Why would you even pray fervently and earnestly Why would you do that? You would only believe this if you believed that Jesus was fully dead, totally tombed, and on the third morning, angels rolled away the stone and God breathed life back into his son. And and in that moment, God forever broke the power of hell and death in the grave. And if you believed in the resurrected Jesus, If you truly, honestly believed in the resurrected Jesus, then you believed that God could do anything. Then you would go to to earnest prayer and you would believe, hey, it's not over, 
It's not over yet. And we've got we've to pray that God will do, we can't, we can't imagine how he's ever going to get Peter out of this. But gang, if God can raise his son from the dead, if Jesus really is alive, then, then anything is possible and we've got to pray. Moncton Wesleyan, Moncton Wesleyan, we need to recapture the early church's spirit for bold prayers in 2016. Bold, bold prayers. We need to pray like we believe that God can do anything, anything. Like we had a front row seat to the resurrection. What would your prayer life look, be, look like if you had a front row seat to the resurrection? Imagine if you were on a lawn chair, sipping an iced tea, waiting for the stone to roll away, and you saw Jesus break forth in glorious light, and you saw him totally, you knew he was dead, and then you saw him after, like, would that not change your prayer life? Would you not believe that anything, well, this is, this, this, that is the whole crux of our faith, that Jesus was dead, that he died on a cross for our sin, but God raised him back to life. And so if we really believe it, then we've got to pray bold prayers like we, like we totally believe, 100%, that God can do anything. Pray like we believe that no situation is too dire or too desperate or too far gone. Pray because the Herods of this world don't have as much power as they think they do. Pray because the chains and the guards and the prisons that threaten our lives and want to steal our freedom from Christ have no hold over us. When we speak the name of Jesus, every weapon formed against us will be powerless because greater is he who is in us than anyone or anything that is in the world. And I believe that. Dare, dare, let me tempt you this morning. Let me tempt you, let me dare you. Dare you to pray bold prayers. Dare us as a church to spend bold amounts of time in prayer. Dare to believe in the impossible. Dare to, to call your church family to, to rally around you and to pray over that situation that seems so dire and desperate. Call us with prayer. We're in a battle for our kids in our marriages, Satan would love to ruin our lives and we have to fight back as a church on our knees. And when God sends you an answer, when God sends you an answer, don't sleep through it. Don't, let, don't miss it. Don't, don't let it pass you by. Don't just sit there, but get up and get dressed and, and just take one step after another that will lead you to freedom. Let's look at verse seven. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And I like this part. The angel struck him on the side uh, to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his, his wrists. Luke tells us that the angel struck him. Some of us need a good kick. Come on. You're in church. Some of us need a good kick. Some of, some of us this morning, honestly, you wouldn't, you, you'd probably even raise your hand and say, I, I could use a good kick, Pastor. Yeah, see? See? Well, that's honesty. That's honesty. I just gave you a story to tell somebody this week. He was talking about needing a good kick, and I actually raised my hand. Your friend will say, you raised your hand in church saying, I need a good kick. And you'll say, yeah, yeah, you know, I need a good kick. We don't mind saying that we could use a messenger from God to come and give us a good swift kick and tell us to get our act in gear. 
right? So, okay, just saying, just, <laughs> just saying, I'll point, point the finger at myself too. And I love the imagery that Luke gives us. And uh, this angel breaking in with this bright light. And I'd like to say that, I'd like to say that I would have enough peace in my life that the night before my execution, I would be sound asleep. But I, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would. <laughs> Peter's zonked right out cold. He's got, a, he's got a guard on either side of him. And he's, just, he's right out of her. He's going to be well rested for Herod. And Peter knows that his life is not in Herod's hands. His life is in Jesus. See, sleep is what you do when you know whose you are. Right? When you know how it ends. Even if, even if your prayer isn't answered the way that you want it to be answered, you still know how it ends. It ends with us in eternity with Jesus. That's, that's, that's how it ends, okay? If it is well with your soul, go to sleep and rest well. Rest well. Luke says that the angel came suddenly with a bright light, similar to the Christmas stories that we just finished studying in December. Um, my escape plan would not include a bright, shining light. It is not the way that I would want to sneak out of prison, right? But there's this bright light. And... Uh, Peter, Peter wasn't escaping, he was being delivered. Big difference. The light is a very important detail of the story because Jesus is the light. He came into our darkness to set us free from the chains of this world. He can break into your prison cells, whatever is holding you back, whatever wants to kill and destroy you, the light of Jesus can lead you to freedom and lead you to new life. So the light is a very important part of the story. And so Herod was going to flex his, his strength and make, he, he was taking these, these, these followers of Jesus, these disciples and apostles, and he was making examples out of them, making, making it look like following Jesus was weak and, and pointless and useless. And God took something that the world meant for evil and he turned it into good. And Luke says it was just the night before, at the last moment, when maybe there didn't seem to be much hope. The church was praying, and God was listening, and angels were descending, and light was shining, and chains were dropping, and Peter was walking out of Herod's hell, past the first guard, past the second guard, through the city gate, the most fortified spot of the entire city, and down the road, to meet his friends. It's pretty awesome. Verse 11. Verse 11. So Peter's, he's through the city gate. He's outside now. And, and Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. So he was in a daze the whole time. Half asleep. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Verse, just the first part of that again. Peter finally came to his senses, it's really true. It's really true. Let's pray. Bold prayers. Moncton Wesleyan. Let's pray. Bold prayers that help people come to their senses and say it's really true. Wouldn't that be awesome? And if in 2016, we saw hundreds of people come to their senses, like Peter, and say 
It's really, it's really true. We will. That's a great idea. Yep, yep. Peter was either still half asleep or in some kind of spiritual daze, but he didn't fully know what God was doing in his life until he was truly free. And we need to pray that God works in people's lives and draws people closer to him. One step at a time. If you you go back and read the story over again, the angel had to give him like step-by-step instructions. Wake up, you know, wake up. And then it's like, get your sandals on, get your clothes on, get your coat on. You know, like, like step-by-step instructions. That's, sometimes that's what people need, one step at a time, one miracle at a time, until one day they're in a place where they come to their senses and they see God's hand at work in their lives and then they declare, it is really true. God saved me, God delivered me, God healed me, God freed me, God brought me out. Bold prayers, bold prayers. Bold prayers don't focus on the size of the problem. They have faith in the size of their God. Bold prayers don't focus on the size of the problem. They have faith in the size of their God. Bold prayers don't give up when things seem impossible. They remember the resurrection of Jesus and that in God all things are possible. Bold prayers don't give up on people who are caught in chains in bondage. Bold prayers keep praying right up until the last minute, always believing that there is hope. Bold prayers can can move the hand of God. Bold prayers can shine the light of Jesus. Bold prayers can literally take people by the hand and lead them into freedom and new life in Jesus Christ. God help us. God be with us, each one of us, as we commit to to being people of prayer, to praying and believing in bold prayers in 2016. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I just thank you so much this morning for this, this powerful story of the church coming together and believing, praying earnestly, believing God that, that you could do anything, believing God that you could send an angel right into the prison cell and break the chains and Peter could just walk right out of there and God we believe this morning that you are still the God of all things that you are still the God who can who can blow our minds you're still the God who can who can who can see things that we just can't possibly see and so Lord this morning would you renew our faith would you renew our strength would you Uh, help us and remind us to to be people of prayer, to be a church of prayer, to be a church that never gives up. God, would you help this church, Moncton Wesleyan, in 2016 to to pray fervently and earnestly, Lord, for for so many situations and so many people. Lord, our, our families need this. Our homes need this. Our schools need this. Our city needs this. God, would you would you raise up, would you raise up an army right here, right here in this church, Lord, that, that enters this year believing, believing that in the resurrected Jesus, believing that all things are possible in the name of Jesus Christ. And so God, we pray that you would, that you would just uh, do your, 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 that your will would be done. Do your work in our hearts and our lives right now and help us to fully surrender to you. Fully surrender to you.
Jesus' name, amen. Um, Pastor David, the prayer request was for Murray and uh, Murray Harrison. Would you, maybe maybe some folks who want to pray for, for Murray could come down front here right now in the, in the center of the, of the of this area. And uh, Pastor David would lead some folks in prayer. Murray is battling uh, cancer and uh, he's, he's giving it everything he's got. And that's an example of Murray needing his church family to pray for him. Um, Marie Paul is right here, and her mother is, is uh, really uh, needs some prayers this morning. Marie's mother has is, is been very sick in the hospital. Some friends, Marie, just wave your hand. And some friends right here would come and surround Marie Paul. She's waving her hand right there, about four rows back. If, if some people would get around her and pray over her for, for her mom. And uh, church, this is for all of us this morning. If you've been, there's Marie. Raise your hand again, Marie, so people can see you. You want to pray around Marie. If you've been getting weary in prayer, friends, as your pastor, I'm pleading with you this morning. If you've been getting weary in prayer, and if the enemy's been telling you to give up, that, that it can't be done, if, you've been, if your hope has been leaking, I, I, I challenge you, I invite you, I ask you to, to recapture that this morning. Do whatever you need to do and say, God, God, I, I, I recommit to praying bold prayers and believing that you can do anything in my life, in my family. Maybe it's unsaved loved ones. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a child. Whatever it is, whatever it is, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let the enemy win. Maybe this morning, you know, just to help that, you would come forward and just stand here or kneel. Maybe you want to fall on your face before God and say, God, I want to recommit to praying bold prayers and believing in bold things in 2016. Now's the time to come. Come and we'll just fill this whole area of the front of the church this morning. If God needs to reawaken your prayer life, you need it. We need it. This city needs it. Okay, we're going to sing. Come. Well, let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to sing. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. We're going to stay. We're going to worship together. Uh, don't leave. Church isn't over yet. Don't leave. I'll be back up in a minute. We're going to give an invitation. If there's anyone who wants to accept Christ as their Savior, I'll be back up in a couple minutes, and we're going to ask that most important question. Let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's believe together.